This is episode number 59 with Shelf Genie franchisee Mike Saunders. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years and too often it's a one size fits all approach, but not with 919 marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? I've got an awesome episode lined up today. Had a chance to sit down and talk with my good friend, Mike Saunders. Mike is a Shelf Genie franchisee in Columbus, Ohio. I've known Mike for around five years now, and he's been a great friend. Also learned a lot from him as my wife and I have built our Shelf Genie franchise. Mike's been in business for himself as a franchisee for over 10 years now. And in this episode, he shares what he was doing prior to owning his own business, uh, why he made the decision to transition into business ownership, why he decided to investigate franchise businesses, and how he went about identifying and evaluating specific franchise businesses and ultimately landed in Shelf Genie. He also goes on to share some fantastic advice around any challenges that he's gone through as a business owner and also talks about how on several occasions he had to really look himself in the mirror and recognize that part of the problem was with him and how he committed to uh, really focusing on what he could control 
and making his business even more successful than it already was. So a lot of good advice here. We talk pretty specifically about Shelf Genie as a business, but the things Mike shares, the advice that he's giving is really universal. Any business owner, any franchise owner is going to be able to learn from the advice that Mike shares. And in addition to that, he really talks about how he dealt with some of the challenges that he went through in making the transition into business ownership. So anyone who's in the aspiring entrepreneur category, I think is going to be able to, to learn a, light, a lot from what Mike shares as well. So I want to go ahead and, and get us into this one because it's such a good episode and Mike's such a good guy. He really talks from the heart. So let's go ahead and drop in with Mike Saunders. So most people will be listening to this and not watching the video. So for those just listening in, Mike's calling in from his Jeep. Looks like he's got the top down. He's cruising around Ohio on a beautiful top sunny down, day. Doors are off. It's a beautiful day. Heck yeah. I love it, man. You're out doing what you want to be doing, not stuck in an office somewhere. So uh, and that's a perfect, you know, I guess kind of segue in uh to, to the conversation here. So tell folks uh what you're doing. And then I definitely want you to share a little bit of your background in terms of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I met Wes about what four or five years ago when he came mm -hmm. in as a Shelf Genie franchisee. And um, this is my 10th year with Shelf Genie. I uh, own the Columbus, Ohio market now for November will be my 10 year anniversary. About four or five years ago, I bought Cincinnati and Dayton, but Last fall, an opportunity kind of presented itself where it's one of those opportunities you can't turn down. And I ended up selling the Cincinnati and Dayton markets off. So I'm back down to just the Columbus, Ohio market. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a good 10 years. It's been quite the journey. And, you know, I've, I've got to kind of be there for some of it with you in terms of you know, building the business and then making the decision to, uh, you know, sell one of the markets that you own. So I think that'd be a, a cool story to, to talk a little bit about while I've got you here and, and kind of, you know, what you did to, to build that into a business that was actually sellable. Um, and Maybe. also how you successfully ran that business without, you know, living in the market. Um, I think that's all good stuff for people to hear. But before we dive into any of that, you know, what were you doing pre-business ownership, pre-Shelf Genie, and, and what kind of led you to the point of deciding that you wanted to transition into business ownership? Yeah, so I have an associate's degree in automated machining. And when I graduated from college, I was recruited by Honda in Marysville, Ohio. And right out of college, I got a great job working for Honda. And I'll be honest, when I started with that company, I would have swore on a Bible that that's the place I'd have retired from. Uh -huh. Fantastic company, loved everything about it, loved what I was doing. Um, worked my way through numerous, numerous positions when I was with that company. I mean, everything from managing um, projects to people to you just, you name it. But at the end, they had me doing stuff. They had me doing cost accounting, which is not what I went to school for. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm obviously good with numbers as a business owner. You got to understand numbers. I'm good with numbers. I'm good with spreadsheets, things like that. Um, but I was miserable, to be yeah. honest. And, yeah. you know, just through a series of unfortunate events, I was, I ended up getting let go from the company. 
Um, it was in the fall of 2011. Okay. And I'll be honest, you know, I spent the weekend, I spent the weekend in the fetal position. I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. Yeah. Um, I had gotten divorced. I'm a single dad and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, I could have very easily gotten a job in that industry, but I'd have had to have moved up to the Detroit area more than like, okay. well, I'm not going to yeah. do that. I have, I have a daughter. I'm not going to move three hours away from my daughter. You know, I went through everything from, do I go back to college, get my, get a four-year degree, thought about becoming a teacher, things like that. You know, went through kind of my adolescent stage where I'm like, maybe I could become a policeman or a fireman or, you know, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Just, just tons of different stuff going through your head. And I have a really close friend of mine who's a realtor and she thought, you know, that I could come in and maybe be her office manager and help her with stuff like that. Okay. I very quickly said no to that because I thought that would be very detrimental to our friendship. Sure. Um, yep. But then she talked to me about a friend of hers who had bought a window washing franchise. Okay. She wasn't saying that I should buy a window washing franchise, but she was telling me about the process they went through where they got a franchise consultant and that whole process and how it's a free process to go through. And she's like, what's it going to hurt? She just sure. said, you know, I think you would be fantastic as a business owner. So I called, um, I got the information about who they went through. They went through Tana Hutchins. Uh -huh. um, great lady. I called her and I can't speak enough about what she does and what you do. Yeah. You know, just the, the job that you guys do. I don't think people realize what it is you do. You know, you're not just out there trying to sell businesses. You know, you really dig into a person's life, what they, what their interests are. You know, obviously you need to know what kind of money we can invest and things of that nature, but you really, really look for something that fits our personality. Um, she brought me three franchises and I went through the process of validating those three. Um, several of them validated very quickly because they weren't really in my area. They were, you know, one of them was in Dayton and I didn't want to drive to Dayton at that sure. point in time. One of them, I just saw myself, I was buying a job basically. Mm, mm. And I didn't really like that one. And then the third one, I actually was in the process of buying it. It was a resale. And okay. the guy I was buying it from had a life coach. And over the weekend, he decided <laughs> not to sell. Jesus. <laughs> A life coach. Yeah. Uh, so, cool. but I will tell you this. I thank God every day that that happened because yeah. I don't believe I could have truly made the living that I wanted to make with that franchise. So then the fourth one she brought me was shelf genie and everything validated really well. And here I am 10 years later. Such, such a cool story. And I'm, I'm so glad you, you shared it. And it's part of why, you know, I, I wanted to have you on the podcast. I mean, you know, my wife, Kelly, very well. Uh, she and I we were talk talking almost every day. You do. Yeah. Uh, we do. I, I think she she calls you like her shelf genie husband or something, because like she probably talks to you about <laughs> shelf genie more than she does to me because, you know, I try to coach her. Right. And she doesn't she doesn't like that so much. Uh, and, yeah. and so but anyways, I was telling her like this was probably a month or so ago. I was like, I think I need to have like more actual franchise owners on the podcast. I've had a lot of entrepreneurs on the, the podcast and many of them that, that have been involved in franchising have been, you know, founders of franchise companies. And so they're talking about, you know, from just from a different perspective. And I said, you know, I really need to have 
more people that have actually gone through the process of evaluating different franchise businesses, finding one that that makes good sense for them and just have them share their story. And it was literally like instantaneously after that, she and I both said your name because, you know, we know your story or no parts mm-hmm. of your story. And and it's one that I think will resonate with so many people out there that are maybe in a similar circumstance where, you know, for one reason or another, they've been, you know, let go from a company that they spent years, you know, busting their ass for, or they're just, you know, kind of over it and they're looking for a change. I mean, there's many different reasons why someone may consider a transition like that. So I, I think it's a story that will resonate with a lot of people. And and I want to unpack a few things of, of what you just shared with us. One, I want to, before I forget, want to mention that, yes, Tana, uh, who you worked with, your franchise consultant, I've known Tana for a while. She's absolutely one of the best out there. Uh, and, and so, you know, you were in great hands with her. And, and what you described is, is the right way, you know, to help someone through this process. And unfortunately, there are franchise consultants out there that don't take the time to dig in and really understand, you know, what is someone looking to accomplish through owning a business? You know, what does this person really enjoy doing? What, what's their, their strengths and their skill sets based on, you know, the work that they've done before, because that's so key. And the way I look at it is, look, if you're going to go to the lengths of starting your own business, there's always going to be things that you have to do as a business owner that you would prefer not to do. But let's at least find a business where the majority of the time you're working on things that play to your strengths and your skill sets and that you're actually going to enjoy doing instead of, you know, finding something that, you know, maybe it looks good on on the surface, but then when you really dig in, you're spending most of your time on things that make you miserable. Like that that defeats yeah. so much of the purpose. So, you know, glad you shared some of that that process. Um, and with the resale, that happens all the time, unfortunately, where someone decides they want to sell their business and then they have a change of heart. Uh, so I kind of chuckled when when you said that, but uh, I see it all the time. And and a lot of times these things happen for a reason, you know, without that. Uh, you know, you landed in Shelf Genie where you've had a, a great run. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, going into the process, right? So you had someone that that you knew or indirectly knew that had been through the similar, uh, a, a similar process. So I guess you had some sort of an understanding of what to expect coming into the process. But I would also guess you had no clue what types of franchise businesses she was going to bring to you. And I would also guess you never at that point in time envisioned yourself getting into a custom shelving business. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what were your initial thoughts as as she starts talking to you about different companies and how did you manage to keep an open mind? Um, you know, I really honestly, it's like you said, I had no clue what to expect. I mean, I knew that she was going to talk to me and, and stuff, but I didn't know that she was going to talk to me and go as in-depth as she did. I, you know, I filled out, I want to say, um, it felt like a hundred page questionnaire, you know, <laughs> to, to, uh, just to get down to the nitty gritty about, you know, what I liked and, you know, things like that. So she could really go find. And then when she started bringing these franchises to me, I'm like, I never realized that something like that was a franchise or something like this was a franchise. Yep. Um, it was just very, very interesting. And, 
the three that she brought to me were all three very, very different franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just, it's, there's nothing to say that I couldn't have been successful at any of those, but the one thing that I, you know, made a decision about is I just got let go from a job where I was absolutely miserable. Um, I wanted to make sure that whatever I was going to do that number one, I could make a good living at it. And number two, I was going to really, really enjoy it Mm because, you know, I'm not looking at buying a franchise to just have it for five years. I'm looking at, this is my last step. I want to, this is going to get me to retirement, right? Whatever that may look like, whether I, you know, hire a manager and I just draw a small salary, whether I sell to this, whatever I end up doing, this is going to be till the end. So you know, I really took the process seriously. Um, and it was actually a very fun process with her and, you know, doing the validation and stuff. It's very easy. I think if you truly validate the way you should and ask the right questions, you know, and the franchise consultant will do a good job of giving you some questions that you should ask. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the more calls you make, the more questions you start to ask. The franch- the other franchisees you're interacting with will very you're gonna very quickly get that feel for whether or not this is the franchise for you, just based on that. Yeah. And that's the thing with Shelf Genius, like all the franchisees I talked to, you know, I felt like I could sit down and have a beer with this guy. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of franchisees where it's like, man, I don't want to talk to that guy ever again. <laughs> right. You know? Yep. That's, you know, you just really get the feel for who the people in the franchise are. And that's, I think that's part of what's going to make you enjoy it. If mm-hmm. you're working with a group of people that support you and that you can help support them once you get the knowledge and that you guys can work yep. together and you, you know that you can pick up the phone at any point in time and call this, some other franchising and say, man, I am struggling with this. I know you do a really good job. Help me out here. You don't always get that feel from every franchisee you validate from and from every, for, from every franchise you validate with. Yeah. It's so important <clears throat> and it gets overlooked, I think by too many people, right. You know, obviously a big part of the, the, the whole research or, as you know, the validation phase that you're going through is you're learning from the franchisor, right. And, and naturally most mm-hmm. people put a lot of emphasis on, okay, well, as a franchisee, what am I going to be getting from the franchisor, right? How are they going to support me? How are they going to train me? You know, I always coach people, you need to understand what the upfront support is because that's important, but you also need Mm -hmm. to understand how is the franchisor going to add value to you long-term because there will be a point in time where you no longer need them to train you and teach you the business, but yet you're always going to be paying some fees back to the franchisor. So there should always be value coming from the franchise or in exchange for that. But I also really, really stress what you're saying, which is you need to get a feel for the culture that exists within this franchise organization. And the franchisees are really at the heart of that. And yeah, you want a lot of other things in the business to, to line up with what you're looking for. You know, you do need to feel confident that you'll see a return on your investment and you can make the type of money that you need to. And uh, that you will enjoy the work that you're going to be doing as the franchise owner, but that culture piece and making sure that you feel it is a good cultural fit and, and having franchisees, as you described it, that are willing to get on the phone with you and talk through something and share their experience and their advice. 
that is an absolute game changer if you have that. And it won't necessarily keep you from being successful in a franchise that maybe doesn't have that, but you're just missing out on a huge potential value add if if the franchise you're a part of does not have that. Um, so I'm yeah. really glad you brought that up because that is that is so important. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy. The numbers are the numbers. You know, you can get numbers from anybody and I can figure out if I'm going to make the money. But the culture was very important to me Yeah. because one of the things one of the things that did happen when I was let go from Honda is, you know, I had spent 23 years there. So obviously Mm. a very large portion of my friends were people I worked with. Right. Now I use the, I use the term friends very loosely. Yeah. Because it was amazing. It was amazing to me how many people I thought were friends. I mean, I'd gone on trips with some of these guys, like vacations Mm. with some of these guys. I'd gone to the hospital when they had kids and I'd been to kids' birthday parties and all this kind of stuff. And it was amazing to me how one by one they disappeared from my Facebook. Mm. Never heard a word out of them. And they were just gone. Why do you think that is? You know, maybe they just weren't the friends I thought they were. Yeah. You know, so was this after you got into business for yourself? Yeah, it was after I was after I was let go as I was going through that process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's I'm glad you brought that up because it's a challenge. I mean, we've gone through it. Kelly and I have gone through it, you know, since we started down this this path of owning businesses and really trying to take more control of our livelihood and our times or our time, the, the majority of the circle of people that we were running with here locally, they weren't doing any of that. And there were plenty of people along the way that, that tried to talk us out of it. Like, what are you mm-hmm. thinking? That's crazy, right? Um, I'm sure you had the same. Uh, and then even since there's been people that have just, you know, either we've kind of said, look, this is not someone that, uh, you know, is trying to to help bring us up. They're trying to bring us down. Uh, and they're just, there's no positive influence here. So I think that's an important thing to understand. Like when you're trying to make moves like this in your life is you got to be willing to, you know, cut some people loose if they're trying to drag you down. Um, and you, it, it's so important, kind of like the, the cultural piece with, you know, the franchisees, it's so important to surround yourself with like-minded people uh, because it they're going to build you up. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I've got a really good circle of friends now. Um, It hurt when all that happened. It really did, because I really considered some of these people my best friend. And, you know, I got a couple phone calls from a couple people that all they wanted to do is know exactly what happened so they could go report back to everybody. This is why he was like, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they wanted at the time at the time that was rough. I'm telling you, it was. Um. But again, you know, like I said, I, I mean, I thank God every day that it happened because I am so much happier today than I was 10 years ago working in that office. Mm. Um, you know, I'd probably be close to retirement with Honda right now, but sure, I would have been miserable for the last 10 years. And, you know, I spoke a little bit about how I'm a single dad. Mm-hmm. So I have my daughter. I mean, my daughter's 18 now. She just graduated from high school. She's headed to the University of Tennessee. 
I so wish it was a University of Ohio State, but it's Tennessee. <laughs> I'll deal. I'll deal with it. Um, so she's headed down there in August. Um, but you know, when I got let go, she was like six years old. Mm. And at that time I have her every Monday, Tuesday, and then I had her every other Friday through Sunday. Okay. So I have her half the time. Those, those weekdays, she spent more time in latchkey and wherever than she did mm. with me. You know, other people were seeing her more than I was. Yeah. Um, the great part, you know, about owning your own business is on the days I would have her and especially during the summer on those days, I bust my butt on the days that I didn't have her so that I could have some free time. You know, I get up in the morning, I'd answer emails, I'd get everything set up for the day. And at night when I put her to bed, I go back downstairs, do a little work to catch up from the day. Sure. I got to spend more time with my daughter than most parents can dream of. Yeah. When she was a young, when she was young and that was invaluable to me. Absolutely. I mean, it's so cool. And, and, you know, you make a good point, right? It's like, when you own a business, especially when you're getting that business built up, uh, it's hard work. You're going to probably work harder, even with a franchise, right? Let's let's mm-hmm. not pull any punches here, right? A franchise does not make it easy necessarily. It's really you know no. a blueprint <laughs> to follow, and and it's a way to work smarter, not harder. Meaning you get to you should be able to avoid a lot of the trial and error, and and you've got that guidance and all of the support yep. and and resources that you can leverage. But there is no replacement for hard work. But when you own your own business, you do, uh, especially over time, gain that flexibility, right? Where even though you're working hard, you get a little more say in when you're going to work hard and when, you know, you can take some time to be with friends, family, you know, do the things that you really want to do in life. Uh, And so that's a big uh, part of it. So glad you brought that up as well. How I, I imagine when you're going through this process, it's like you said, you you thought about a lot of different options after you got let go from Honda. Mm-hmm. Some of mm-hmm. those likely in your mind were safer options than you know investing your hard-earned money in a franchise and and trying to build your own business. So I would imagine there was a lot of what I call FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And then, you know, I'm sure there were. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There was fun. <laughs> yeah, there is for everyone. It's human nature, right? Because what you're doing is yeah. you're you're about to step way outside of your comfort zone. And and your subconscious mm-hmm. mind is like, whoa, Mike, pump the brakes. What the hell are you thinking? Like, this is crazy. And, and your mind starts racing with a million different reasons of what could go wrong and why you shouldn't do this. And then again, as we've already talked about, there were probably people around you looking at you like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Telling you why you shouldn't do it. So talk to us a little bit about how you were able to push through some of that uh, and and still take that plunge and still drop in. Well, I'm probably going to muddle this up a little bit, but on the disc profile, Mm -hmm. I am... I think it's called a director or a driver where it's on the guy and a guy that just goes. Sure. However, part, the bigger part of me is the analytical side where I analyze everything. So I'm kind of on the disc chart. I'm bipolar. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I have to see all the numbers and I have to look at it and it has to make sense to me. But 
I don't overanalyze it. And once I've analyzed it and I've made the decision, I drive, I go. Yep. So I think that played a big part in, in kind of me not letting that fear grab hold of me and, and sway me from doing this. You know, once I kind of started looking at the numbers, once I started doing the validation and I started hearing things, I started looking at these things and started getting excited about doing this. There was a point in time in there where I just made, I said, this is enough. I've seen enough. I've made my decision. And once I made that decision, there was no turning back. It was, we're driving forward with this. Um, But yes, it is very scary because, you know, most of us that buy a franchise, it's not what we ever thought we would do in our life. (laughs) It's just life has taken a turn. Life has taken a turn that's pointed you in that direction. Yeah. Very few people like coming up through high school were like, so what do you want to do? Like, Oh, I'm going to own franchises one day. Like what? No, you don't get, you don't get taught about it in in school. Like it's, it's still amazing to me to this day that like business schools and stuff, they don't, they don't even mention franchising in most cases. And it's like, if you look around, I forget the exact statistics, but I mean, a very high percentage of businesses that you see every day are franchise businesses. Like it's, it's a huge part of the economy and and it never gets talked about. So yeah, you're right. I mean, most people kind of fall backwards into it one, one reason or another. Um, But I, I like what you said about, you know, not, you know, being analytical, Right. Nobody's saying you should jump into something blindly here, uh, you know, or just roll the dice and hope it works out. There's a very methodical process that, you know, people like Tana and myself, you know, that's kind of a big part of our role in, in helping people not only identify, but also investigate franchise businesses the right way uh, to make Mm -hmm. sure that they are getting the information that they need to be able to make a good decision but it's probably one of the most frustrating things that that I have to deal with and, and the people that I work with or, or some of the people that I work with is there's this tendency to overanalyze and, and you get paralysis by analysis. And, you know, yes. some people are, are, you know, you mentioned disc profile. So people are wired differently. Right. So you have to take that yeah. into account. But a lot of times this paralysis by analysis, what it really is at the end of the day is it's a, a fear manifestation. Right. It's, yes, it's, it is. And then you can kind of pin that fear on, well, I just don't have enough data. I've got to crunch the numbers a little bit more. And there is a point where no matter how much research you've done, you just have to decide that I'm going to do this. And it's why one of the taglines for my podcast is drop in, because that's how I think about it. Right. Is you've just got to make that commitment, drop in, trust in the research that you've done. In the case of a franchise, you've got to trust in the franchisor that you're partnering with and the system that you're buying into. But more than anything else, you have to trust in yourself. You have to believe in yourself and just know that, hey, I'm going to go do the work and and I'm going to be successful. And if you do that, chances are you will. Um, But it's it's a hard thing to do for anyone, regardless of what your disc profile says. And, And I see it far too often where you know, people, they get stuck in this kind of paralysis by analysis and they never, they never drop in. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of validating for shelf genie. I mean, I don't know if there's somebody that's validating that doesn't call me. I mean, when we get into my story here later, 
you know, my story's kind of infamous at Shelf Genie. It's been <laughs> talked about at numerous conferences and things of that nature. So, um, so, you know, I, when I'm doing these validation calls, there are people who are asking the right questions. And then there are the people that are asked, basically kind of asking me, should I do this or not? Yeah. They're and wanting... I'm never going to, I'm never going to tell you <laughs> you should or shouldn't do this. That's not my no. decision. That's your decision. That's right. You know, but it's, there is, there are definitely good validation calls and there are definitely some really bad validation calls where it's, it's like literally the person wants me to tell them that it's okay, that they should do this. Yeah. And or, or to sorry, assure that's, them. That's not, that's not my decision, but I, I can't assure you that this is going to go okay for that's you because right. I'm doing, I'm doing a 30, 30 minute validation call with you. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't know your personality. I don't know anything about you. Yeah. You know, I'm just here to answer your questions, not to tell you, oh my gosh, yes, you should do it. You're uh, it's a good point. Uh, you know, and for anyone listening that, that, uh, the, the term validation, right. Validation calls that Mike's talking about, you know, that's, that's a key part of the process of researching a franchise and, and really understanding, could it be a good fit for you or not is, you know, any good franchise company is not, going to just encourage you, but actually require you to go out and have conversations with existing franchise owners. And, and that's such a critical part of really getting a full picture of what the business is and what it takes to be successful in that business. And any franchise organization is, I mean, just like any organization, whether it's a, a sports team or a, a Fortune 500 company or you know whatever the case is, there will be a bell curve, right? There will be top performers, there will be underperformers and everything in between. And so you need to talk to these folks and you need to try to understand some themes, right? What are the, what are the top performers with this franchise have in common? And what are they doing differently than the underperformers or the franchisees that are just kind of average? Uh, and so that's what Mike's referring to. You know, he is a, a, a franchise owner for Shelf Genie that, Many people that are researching Frank, uh, Shelf Genie is an opportunity for themselves. They want to talk to Mike. And, and you bring up a great point, Mike, that some people, they're not asking the right types of questions. They're not really trying to understand, all right, what is this business and, and what are the keys to being successful? Because once you know that, and, and then also once you know, like, what are, what are the people that are not as successful doing or not doing, then that's when it's time to really look in the mirror and say, all right, now I know what it takes to be successful in this business. Do I have what it takes? And that's where it kind of comes back to what we talked about earlier, which is, you know, my role in all of this as a consultant is to, to help match you up with franchises that will play better to your strengths and your skill set so that there's a much higher likelihood that you do have what it takes to be successful. But Wes here, you may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. 
even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years, and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today, and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with, And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. What are some of the things that like in, in shelf journey, cause this is different than, you know, it's different in any business, right? I mean, it's not always exactly the mm-hmm. same, but you know, what are, what are some of the things that, you know, in a validation call with shelf genie, you would recommend to someone that is going through that process uh, based on your own experience. And maybe this is a good time to, to share a little bit of what you were alluding to in terms of, you know, kind of your story, because you've had a very successful run at shelf genie, but it, yeah. it hasn't always been the case necessarily. It hasn't. So, you know, when I came into Shelf Genie, I did pretty good. You know, um, my numbers weren't bad at all. And I grew the business over the first two, three years and things were going well. I mean, I won rookie of the year as a, as a new Shelf Genie franchisee, but it kind of got stagnant. It wasn't, I wasn't making the amount of money that I wanted to make. I went to conference that year. And the CEO at the time, you know, he's, you know, he's got his game face on. He's all smiles and everybody comes in and he's hugging and, you know, chest bumping with them and everything. And he walks up to me, shakes my hand and I look him dead in the face and I say, you better show me something at this conference or I'm out of here. <laughs> not what he was expecting. Yeah, not at all what he was expecting. So. You know, I sat there at that conference and I went to that conference with a very open mind. I'm like, I've got to figure this out or I'm going to have to go get a job. I'll just dial it back, make it a residual income type thing. And I'll go over here and get a job to pay for all my bills and everything. And at Shelf Genie, we have what's called our noble purpose. And our noble purpose is we take frustration and pain and turn it into joy and love. So basically what we're saying is we take all those areas in your home, your kitchen, your pantry, wherever it is that you are frustrated with. And we turn them into the places that you love the most about your house. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm sitting here during this and I'm listening and I'm listening and it was, so conference starts on Thursday night, evening. I sat there all day, Friday, half the way, half the day, Saturday, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, you idiot. You know, this has nothing to do with shelf genius. What they are, are, are not doing. This is all about you. You've gotten stagnant. The way you're approaching this is not right. You're just going out and doing what we call counting and quoting. Mm-hmm. Going out and say, I'll put two here, two here, two here. It's this much money. Yep. You know, I'm not, I'm not engaging the clients the way I need to do it. So I came back after conference and I'm like, okay, we're changing this. We are fixing this. And I changed the way I was approaching it. I made it all about the client. I made it all about the experience with the client. I didn't care if I sold one shelf or I sold a hundred shelves. It did not matter to me. I wanted to turn Herman what their problem was, why it's a problem and how can I make their life better? That's all I cared about. And like the next two months, my close rate was a hundred percent. Um, over the next year, I grew my overall revenue 66% in a there year. You go. There you go. Because I started doing this and I started teaching my team how to do this. Mm. And we all got on board. We all started doing this. The next year I grew up by another 20 some percent. Um, I think I am still the only two territory franchise to ever gross a million dollars in a year. I was convinced that Shelf Genie had duped me that you got to have at least four, five, six territories to make the big bucks. No, you don't. You just got to do it right. That's right. You just got to commit. You just got to do it right. And, you know, then I'm like, okay, I want to make more. That's where I got into the whole buying of Cincinnati and Dayton. Because I went back and forth. I actually talked to a couple other franchisees that had other businesses Uh similar to Shelf Genie. You know, I thought very much about starting a closet company in Columbus, things like that. Yep. Um, But I knew how to do Shelf Genie. And I knew how to do it good. Yeah. Well, whatever the proper English is there. (laughs) So the opportunity presented itself for me to buy the Cincinnati markets and... My first three months of owning Cincinnati, I grossed as much in three months as the previous guy had ever grossed in a year. And I oh. quickly grew Cincinnati and Dayton into, you know, we were doing 900 some thousand dollars a year, just like that. Yep. So, um, you know, and the thing is that because I knew how to do it, because I knew how to train people and Honestly, because Shelf Genie's training and everything that Shelf Genie was doing was had improved greatly from sure. when I first went through. Definitely. You know, that's the great part about a franchise. They're constantly reinvesting money to improve their their systems and their everything. The training that a new franchisee and that a designer get now versus what I got 10 years ago, it is night and day. Sure. So that all helped me along with me knowing how to do it. But don't get me wrong. There's not, it's not like, you know, I wouldn't drop my daughter off at school on Wednesday morning and I'm driving to Cincinnati. I have a hotel room down there and I'm coming home on Saturday night. There were a lot of weeks like that where I was down in Cincinnati for a long time. I was running appointments down there. I was training people. I was getting it all built up, but, um, it didn't take me long to do that and then to back myself out. Yeah. You already already knew. knew. I what knew what do. I didn't do right when I started and I did it differently. This time I fully engaged the system. I only, when I started Columbus, I would say I partially engaged the system. Okay. 
Yeah. I was, I was following the system, but I wasn't really, really following it. I wasn't all in. Mm-hmm. I still, I still had some of that FUD. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to be careful because I got to make sure I got money to pay me so I can pay my bills so I can this. And, you know, there were a lot of times when I first opened Columbus where I'm like, I sure hope I make a sale this week because I got to pay this bill. But the sale always came, right? you know, and the more I committed to the system, the more and, and honestly, the biggest part about committing to the system was spending the dollars I needed to spend on advertising and things of that nature and just really going after it to get those appointments. Um, the more I did that, the more the sales grew, just everything went right. And know? with and that, I did since. Yeah. And with Cincinnati, I went all in right out of the gate. And that's why it, that's why Cincinnati produced so quickly. Right. So this is, this is gold right here. Right. And, and so I, I know this story and, and it's a big part of why I thought you could add so much value on the podcast here, but a couple of things I want to highlight and, and kind of unpack because you really just shared, I think some very important nuggets that would apply to anyone uh, really in any business. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a franchise uh, that that's so key. So one is follow the system and, and believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and usually like, I mean, I don't really care what the business is. I can't think of a business that doesn't have the equivalent of what we call our noble purpose at shelf genie. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really like the company's why, who, who are we serving and how are we helping them? And so it sounds like a big part of this kind of shift that you made was really getting back to if I do the best thing by the client every single time, then the results will follow versus if I lead with, hey, I need to you know, try to make sure my one of the metrics we look at in Shelf Genie is RPA, revenue per appointment. Hey, I really got to make sure yes. my RPA doesn't drop after, after this appointment, right? So I got to you know, do what I need to do to keep my numbers up and, and keep the money coming in. And, and so I think that's an important thing to recognize, right? Again, I can't think of a business where, you know, if, if you don't lead by doing the best thing for your client, and I, I think it was you that at one of the conferences, you were up on a panel talking about just this, talking about noble purpose. And you gave an example of where, you know, a lady had you come out. I, I want to say maybe she was an older lady. She didn't have, you know, a ton of money and uh, essentially, you know, she was, looking to see if Shelf Genie had something that would help her. And after you took the time to really ask some questions and understand what her frustration and pain was, you kind of realized she doesn't need Shelf Genie. She just needs to reorganize a little bit. And that'll really kind of solve it for her. And if I'm remembering the story correctly, jump in if I'm if I'm misremembering. But you essentially said, ma'am, what I have is not going to help you. You're not going to get your money's worth for what it would cost. I think I can help you. And you proceeded to do that. And then that lady referred you to someone that turned into a very lucrative project after that. I may have gotten some of that wrong, but but I remember hearing that because we were either brand new franchisees or we weren't even franchisees yet. And I was just at conference, you know, exploring whether or not I should take a job with Shelf Genie. But that that really stood out to me. And, and I think it's key in whatever that business is. You got to understand what the noble purpose is and you've got to lead with that. And it, I, I think all ties into kind of this process we're talking about, which is find, find a business that you, you can actually believe in and you can get behind 
the why, and that's going to make your life a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable. I mean, I've had a ton of situations where people will show me a cabinet and they're like, can you fix this? Can you fix this? And I'm looking at this cabinet and could I put something in there and make it better? Yeah. But for the money it's going to cost them to do that cabinet, they're not going to get the benefit out of it. Uh However, if we do over here or if we do over here, I can fix it. I can, it's, it's worth the money to do this because this is going to make a huge impact to you. And I teach my team this all the time. You know, we're all about designing the entire kitchen. You know, we don't like to go out and design just one cabinet because a lot of times what we're designing, we're designing a holistic solution for the entire kitchen. Cause a lot of times we're moving things around from where they are currently and we're changing mm-hmm. the way your storage thing and everything we design kind of goes hand in hand. But I also teach them is if it is a cabinet that we really can't impact, tell them that and may have them spend the money where it is very impactful. And that may, to a lot of people, you know, that may sound crazy, you know, like you're giving up money, you know, you could do this and make more money. That's not what I'm about. I'm about doing what's best for the person. You know, I want to, I say this all the time. What's the problem? How can we fix it? And how can we make the person's life better? And just because we can put a shelf there doesn't mean that it makes their life better. You know, putting one over here does make their life better. So I want to do that. And that's where you, you, you gain a lot of integrity and a lot of respect from people when you tell them that. I wouldn't do this. And here's why I wouldn't do that. You know, I'm telling them why I would do this and why I wouldn't do this. And I'm explaining it to them in detail. And you gain a lot of respect from those people. And that's the people where next thing you know, their friends calling, hey, you know, Sue just had you do her house. And she said how great you were. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just go out, what I call count and quote, you're going to make sales. You are, you know but you're not going to make the sales. You're not going to make the big sales. You're not going to get the referrals. The referrals in a franchise are gold because yep. you, you paid nothing to get that lead, not a penny. Yep. So your, your return on a, on a self-generated or referral, you, you're returning so much more money on yeah. those. Yeah. Um, that, that's a Let me jump in real quick. Cause that's a good point. Right. Cause you know, a lot of the people that are probably listening to this and, and myself included, like I'm a capitalist, right. I want to make money, right. I'm not running a nonprofit. Yeah. So some of this might sound a little, you know, like woo woo or sappy, like, Hey, just, you know, take good care of people. But no, by taking that approach, it will put more money in your business and more money in your pocket. Right. So that's the point I really want to drive home is that, yeah, maybe you miss on one opportunity that if you really tried to force it, you could have, you could have made a little money on, but if you do the right thing every single time, you may not always know when it's going to come back around or how it's going to come back around, but it will. And, and that's the key to growing a long-term successful business uh, where you can keep growing that business over time. So, you know, this is not just about, you know, the, the feel good, uh, aspect of that. Although of course that is great, but this is like just good business sense, right? If you really want to build a sustainable, profitable business, take care of the people that you're serving at all costs and everything else you're looking for, the revenue, the profits that'll follow. Yes, it will. I mean, that, that one sale, 
I probably, you know, I probably made more off of the second sale than I would have, you know, given up the first sale, I made more off the second sale than I would have by doing the few that I could have possibly done in the first one, yeah. you know, by adding that cabinet that really isn't worth it. And then they get it in there and they're, they're happy with all the other cabinets, but this cabinet, they're kind of like, eh, you know, when somebody's like that, they're not as likely to refer you as oh. when they're really happy. So yep. make them happy. You are going to make 10 times more money off of the referral than what you would make off of doing the little bit extra on the, on the original sale. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, something else I wanted to, to highlight quickly, and we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but when you were telling your story about buying Cincinnati, so that was owned by a previous Shelf Genie franchisee. They yes. were not very successful, hence they wanted no. to sell. So you come into the picture, you buy it, you take everything you've learned in Columbus, apply it there, and you have like this hockey stick growth spurt. So I just yep. wanted to highlight that because, man, so many I, I get this all the time. Yeah, it's I, I'm not doing well in my franchise or I don't think I could do well in this franchise because the market's not right for it. And there's exceptions to everything. But generally speaking, the market that you're operating in is not going to determine whether you're successful or not. And there are countless examples just like yours not only within Shelf Genie, but within any franchise system that's been around for any period of time where you could see that someone was underperforming in a market, they're blaming the market or blaming the franchisor for not doing what they need to be doing. Yet another franchisee comes in, takes over that market, and it's almost successful overnight. And it's just, it's not a coincidence. So that's a misconception that I run into all the time. So I was glad to hear you bring that up and share your experience with that. And the other thing I wanted to highlight from everything you just shared is the fact that you sat there at that conference and you, you were willing to drop your ego and kind of look in the mirror and say, this is not a shelf genie issue. This is a mic issue. And I've just got to mm -hmm. shift my mindset. And then you took that back and you implemented it with your team. And again, Chances are, if you're in a franchise business and you're struggling, but you look around and there's other people that are that are killing it, that are crushing it, chances are it's you need to look in the mirror. But the tendency so many times is to point the finger elsewhere, usually back at the franchisor. And it is. I, I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, and I mean it. It's, it's part of why I do what I do. There are plenty of bad franchises out there, right? So I'm not saying that there are not cases where the franchisor doesn't have a good system, doesn't have a good model, and they don't do a good job of supporting their franchisees. Those are out there, right? That's one of my big goals is to help people avoid making those types of mistakes. But if you look around and there are other franchisees that are doing really, really well and having a lot of success, that should tell you that the business and the model and everything else is not broken. It'll never be perfect. I don't care what the franchise is. It will never be perfect. There will always be opportunity to get better, but just that you were willing to kind of look in the mirror, didn't let your ego get in the way, and then did what you needed to do to turn it around. Um, something I just, I wanted to highlight. So, yeah, I mean, when I, like I talk about doing all these validation calls and one of the biggest things 
you know, everybody at the end will be like, do you have any other advice, anything? And I give every single person validating the same speech. I talk about a franchise and what a franchise means, you know, and I ask them the question, what do you think you're getting for your money? When you give Shelf Genie all this money to buy this franchise, what do you think you're getting? And some of them will answer the question correctly. And some of them are like, well, I get the right to sell in this territory. I'm like, yes, you do get that. But what you're getting is a brand. When you buy a franchise, you're buying a brand. And part of what goes with that brand is all the processes and procedures that Shelf Genie has developed to make that brand successful. You know, um, you follow these processes, you follow these procedures. That's all part of the brand. You know, you should be able to go run it. You should be able to come to Columbus, Ohio, have a designer come out to your house, give you a quote. And you should be able to go to Florida and have a designer come out and give you a quote. And that process, the general process should be 99% the same. Yep. Now you've got different personalities. So they'll, they'll interject their own personal style, but the process overall, the demo kits are the same. The product is the same, you know, all this stuff, the way they give you a quote with the software we have, all that kind of stuff should be the same. Yep. That's the brand. That's what makes the brand what it is. You know, and I talk a lot about if you're not a person that can follow that, if you're the person who wants to develop that kind of stuff, a franchise is not for you. You yeah. know, yeah. there are people who are meant to be franchisees and there are people who are meant to start their own businesses. They are two very different people. So true. Yep. So true. And and there's also, you know, within that there are. So it's, it's great advice and a, and a good point. And, and I've said it numerous times on the podcast, like owning a franchise is not right for everyone. Like, I mean, there's some people that owning a business period is is not going to be right for, and that's fine, yeah. right? There's other people that are so entrepreneurial that a franchise may not make sense for them. But then, you know, within franchising, you've got a lot of different business models, right? I mean, yes. something like Shelf Genie, you're spot on, right? You're buying a brand and, and the process, the processes are there in place, right? So you need to follow the process. So a shelf genie in one part of the country should be running very similarly to uh, a shelf genie in another part of the country. But there's more room in a business like shelf genie to put your own style and your own personality to the business than there is in, say, McDonald's, right? I mean, McDonald's yeah. is a very rigid franchise for good reason, meaning you have basically no autonomy as a franchisee as to how you're going to run your business. You follow the playbook to the absolute T, whereas with Shelf Genie, you've got a little more room to try some different things here and there. Like we don't all have the exact same, you know, marketing strategy. Uh, we don't all do exactly the same things. We follow a system, you know, within a general kind of guideline, but there's there's a little more room for that. And then, you know, you've got other franchises like the other franchise we own. It's more emerging. Right. So. Mm -hmm. You do need to be more entrepreneurial to get into something like that and be successful because a lot of the things that you would expect in a franchise, they're just not there yet. It takes time. You got to build these things out and there is going to be more trial and error. So there's a lot of different things to consider, but you bring up such a good point, which is in a, in a franchise, there will be some sort of a system and you have to be committed to following it. Otherwise, you should have never gotten into a franchise in the first place. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit. You mentioned something earlier 
when you were talking about some of the other uh, franchises you evaluated, and and I think you said one of them would have been more buying yourself a job. What did what did you yeah. mean by that? So I don't want to talk bad about a specific brand name, so I won't talk about the name. But no, that's fine. Basically, I would have been repairing these hand tools. So, I mean, the first thing that I didn't like about this is they basically gave me a list of all the people in my area that I should be calling. So I had to cold call all these people, which that did not, that, that right off the bat, that did not sound appealing to me. What, but like then other, other the, franchisees? No, like the business Potential clients. Servicing, okay, the potential clients. Gotcha. So they give me this whole list of potential clients in my area, and I got to cold call all of them and try and convince them to go with me. Mm. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of support there. But then I basically would have been repairing these little hand tools. So I'm picturing myself sitting in the corner of my condo working on all these hand tools, <laughs> you know, 99% of the time. And I'm like, that just not does not even sound fun to me. Right. So it was more... So, it was more of a, a, a franchise where, yes, you would be in business for yourself, but it doesn't sound like it was really designed to be scalable. It was just kind of Mike is the business. Mike wears all the hats. And that's kind of yep. the, the playbook forever. Yes. So how does that compare to a business like Shelf Genie? Because you've ref- referenced your team's you know, several times at this point. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about what was different with a business like Shelf Genie and, and why that was appealing to you. Um, I mean, the thing with Shelf Genie is, number one, there's no way for me to do everything. You know, if I was going to grow it, scale it in any way, there was just no way for me to do everything. However, when I first started with Shelf Genie, I probably ran two-thirds of the design appointments myself. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was constantly out there, but then I kept developing a team, growing a team and getting them out there and getting them up to speed. And then I kept scaling myself back to the point where up until the last year, and I'll get into a little bit about what's gone on differently this year, I really could count on one hand in a year, half a year to a year, how many appointments I actually ran. Yeah. And that's not, I'm, I'm not going to say that's hundred percent the norm with Shelf Genie. Um, There are a lot of Shelf Genie franchisees who are the primary designer. Mm -hmm. I'm probably one of the few that has scaled it to the point where I do as few of the appointments as possible. And I'm more of a manager, a mentor, a trainer, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also continued to grow this business, Shelf Genie as a whole. Um, You know, our business has continued to grow over the last 10 years to the point where people can do it the way I'm doing it, where I don't think 10 years ago we were necessarily at that point. No, we were probably more like the other franchise you were talking about. We were still a little bit young. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the stuff that all of us were doing 10 years ago is now implemented as standards. And a lot of the stuff that we complained about and said, we need help here. We need help here. They've put things in place. So that new franchisees, as well as us, can get that support that we weren't getting back then. Um, But with Shelf Genie, I I would say this, with any franchise you're going to buy, there are value-added activities and there are non-value-added activities. What I did about four years ago is I stepped back and started to take a peek at what is a value-added activity for me? You know, 
me doing my own books, is that value added? No, that's just time wasted. I went out and got a bookkeeper. I have a bookkeeper doing my books now. Yep. You know, I went out and I said, is it value added for me to go out and run all these appointments and uh, not be able to keep designers on board because they're not getting enough appointments and things of that nature? Or would it be more value added for me to go out and get really good designers, train them up to where they've got really good results so that I don't have to run these appointments? Yep. That's what I did. And I really just took, stepped back and took a look at the business so that I could get myself in a place that I really felt good with the business. And I, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like I was a toddler when I started and I've gone up, you know, through my teenage years. And I think I'm now, you know, I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. I've got the business running the way I want it. You know, over the last year, we have added more product lines and I'm out running appointments for those new product lines. However, I very, very quickly got a designer up to speed doing that where she's running the most of those now where I'm, I, you know, I have an appointment on Monday because it's a, it's a guy that I work with who owns his own business. And he called me and said, Hey, I know you said you do closets now. Can you come out? My wife and I want to get our closet done. So yeah. I'm doing that because it's a friend, Sure, but I'm not, I'm not as actively taking appointments from our call center anymore. And that's, that's really the way I envisioned this when I first bought it is that I wouldn't have to be the person doing everything that I could be more of that manager and I could have more free time and still be able to pay myself. And, and that's, that's where I've got it at this point. Yeah. So you've, you've, made that transition from working in the business all of the time to now being able to spend a lot more of your time working on the business. And, yes. and you've been able to build a business that's working for you, even when you're not working. Yes, and absolutely. I think, I think for most people, that's part of the vision, right? It, when it that, mm -hmm. that comes with business ownership, right? And, you know, most people, that want to get into business for themselves, you know, more freedom plays a part in that. That usually is tied very closely to control of their time. And so for the vast majority of people out there, everything that you just talked about is so critical to understand because in order to really have freedom as a business owner, you need to be able to scale it to the point where you are not the business. You are working on the business, even if it's not all the time. And that doesn't mean it happens from day one either. I, I think your example of toddler to, uh, you know, adolescent to adult is perfect because there's, there will be different phases, right? You've got to learn mm -hmm. the business initially. So, you know, Kelly did the same thing. She ran pretty much all of our sales appointments for the first six months or so. And then she started training and now she's built out a team and, you know, when she was out on maternity leave, she didn't run an appointment for seven months, you know, and our business kept growing. Yeah. And, and I mean, so yeah, I talk a lot to new franchise and I'm, I'm talking very shelf genie specific, but obviously this translates to, to any business. Yep. You know, how can you hire somebody to do something if you don't know how to do it yourself? And I'm not saying you have to be the expert at it because there's a lot of people that there's a lot of franchisees that will never be a good designer. There's a lot of franchisees that would never be a good installer as far as shelf genie goes, but you need to understand it to be able to recruit people. 
And now there's, there's training we have that you can send your designers to, to get them the really the right training, but you have to do some training to get them to the point where you can then send them to that training. You have to get them started. So you have to go out when you first buy that business and just really dig in and truly understand all the nooks and crannies about it so that you can manage the people and mentor the people that you do hire. Yeah, it's so true. And, and, you know, that's the key to scaling it, right. Is, is to be able to learn it and and different businesses are going to have, you know, varying degrees of that, right? Like some businesses, Mm -hmm. it's probably not as necessary for the franchise owner to spend as much time, you know, on the front lines uh, as it is with, with other businesses, something like shelf genie, you know, where it's a very kind of intimate sales setting, great for the owner to, to be proficient in that because there is a lot of training and continued coaching that needs to go on with the team to make sure that they're performing uh, and doing the best thing by the client. So, it, you know, that piece, I think, varies a little bit depending on the type of business that we're talking about. But, you know, generally speaking, if the goal is to, to scale a business, to build a business that's larger than just yourself, uh, I want to circle back to what you said earlier, which is the exercise you kind of went through where you kind of sat down and figured out, okay, where is my time best spent? Where can my time as the owner be spent so that I am going to get the strongest return on the investment of my time? And that's critical in any business. It's when I'm coaching people through this process, you know, going back to the validation phase is that's what I tell them. I say, look, you're going to talk to some franchisees that are more successful than others, right? Here's a little spoiler. Mm-hmm. The difference 99% of the time is going to be where they are spending their time, right? The more successful owners have figured out what I like to call, as our buddy Jack Daly says, the HPAs, the high payoff activities. They know what those are and they've structured their business so that they get to spend the majority of their time on those HPAs. And and they, they delegate or they outsource everything else. The less successful franchisees, and this goes for non-franchise businesses too, they just they spend their time on usually time consuming things, but things that have no value, right? So you you gave bookkeeping as an example. Lots of owners would look at it and say, "Well, look, I can save three hundred bucks a month and do my own books." Well, yeah, but shit, what if you went out and didn't do your spend the time <laughs> every month on your bookkeeping and you went and did something more productive? My guess is you'd make up for a lot more than that three hundred dollars that you're saving. I think that, yeah. And I think that people get stuck in doing it because it's something they're comfortable doing. And maybe they're not comfortable going to a networking meeting, a networking group or something. So rather than do that, they say, well, I got to do my book. So I don't have time to go do this networking meeting. And I'm very guilty of that. There are, there are things that I absolutely despise, you know, and one of them is walking into a group where I know nobody and they're together in their little cliques all talking and I got to try and interject and meet people and stuff. That's just not my comfort zone, but right. You know, as a business owner, you got to step out of your comfort comfort zone. You've got to be able to do that because those types of activities are where you're gonna, you're going to meet the person that, you know, maybe you're going to meet this builder that says you do what? I've been looking for a company like you. I want you to put your stuff in every single kitchen that we build. And you wouldn't have got that if you were at home doing your books. Yeah. 
Yeah, so true, man. It's such a good example. Like you just you always have to be pushing yourself if you want to grow. Uh, and that's always going to involve taking yourself out of your comfort zone, being willing um, to to try new things. I just wrote an article about this for my monthly newsletter that goes out. You just got to get comfortable with failure. Like most people are scared to death of failing. And it's like, you know, you're going to miss out on so many opportunities if you can't just get comfortable trying new things. And, you know, it probably won't work the first time, but it's really only failing if you just give up on it after that. Um, so it's all such good advice. And, and I think it applies to, you know, anyone that's in business for themselves, that's considering getting into business for themselves, franchise, non-franchise, it's all, it's all just such good advice. Um, and the other thing worth noting is, you know, had you not figured this out, number one, you would have never been able to, to buy Cincinnati because you didn't live in Cincinnati, right? Secondly, yep. you would have never been able to sell Cincinnati if you didn't do a good job of building out that team. Right. Because any halfway educated buyer, if you were the guy responsible for everything happening, well, they're not going to buy that business from you because then they have to replace you or they have to become you. And, and that's not worth anything. There's no value there. So yeah, uh, you don't want them to have to buy you. You want them to buy the business. Exactly. And if you are the business, there's no business. That, that's exactly so. right. You're self-employed. And, and I want to make a point, too. Right. Because we talked earlier about the you know, the, the buy yourself a job type franchise, those, those opportunities are out there and that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Like when I start this process with someone, we start with where are you today and where are you trying to get and what role does a business play in that? Right. So that's why, you know, I can't just sit here and say, Hey, these are the, the top five franchises out there today. Everyone go line up and, and buy them because it's, it's not, it's different for everyone, right? What you're looking to do, yeah you know, what you enjoy doing, what your experience, like all of this plays in, right? So there are people out there that maybe the buy yourself a job, right? What I call kind of the owner operator franchise that might make perfect sense, right? Because it might get you out of being an employee. It might give you more control of your time. It might even put you in a position to still earn more than you were as an employee. And, and for a lot of people, it's that first step. And that can open a lot of other doors going forward. You, you build confidence. You learn a lot. You know, if you're making more money and have better control of your time, then that that builds. And, and so I just wanted to kind of circle back to that. Like, you know, we're not talking and saying, hey, that's a terrible thing if that's what makes sense for you. Because, hey, guess what? A lot of times those franchises are, are much less uh, capital intensive to get up and running, too. So. Um, you know, there's some people that 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 is still a really good opportunity and, and something that could make sense for them. So nothing wrong with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, even Shelf Genius figured this out because we now have owner operator models that we're beginning to sell. That's right. Um, there's yeah. a there's there's a place, there's a niche for them and there, there are the right people for them. Just like, you know, I mean, a McDonald's wasn't for me. I, that's the last thing I would have wanted to do you know, is something like that. So, you know, that's where you guys come in. That's where all the stuff that a, that a consultant does and the questions they ask and really zeroing in on who you are and what you're looking for and, you know, what stage of life are you in and where do you want to be in five years and 10 years and 15 years? That's where that, that's just invaluable. Yeah. 
I yeah, support it is. that help. It is, or that's, you know, that's the goal, right? But, you know, on your side of the table, you've got to be willing to put the time in, right? And, and I talk to some people that are like, they just want to rush the process. And I'm like, look, if you just want a list of franchise companies, like Google's going to be your best friend. I can't add any value. You've got to be willing to <laughs> spend the time with me up front so that I can actually understand these things. And then I can, you know, help you dramatically narrow down a list, save you a lot of time. And then I can help coach you through this process of actually gathering the information that you need to make a good decision. But if you want me to just start spitting out a bunch of like franchise brands at you, like just, just go to Google, save, save me some time, (laughs) save yourself some time. So, you know, there, there's a time commitment up front. I mean, I probably spend three or four hours at least, you know, with someone probably longer than that, probably more like five or six hours on the phone with someone uh, before we ever talk about specific brands. Mm-hmm. Um, How can you talk about a brand until you know the person? Exactly. I mean, I, I, I've said these, I've said this, this, what I'm about to say, I've said this several times about this is the way I approach things with my client. And it's the same way you do. It's what's your problem? Why is it a problem? And how can I make your life better? Yep. You've got to determine that before you can say, okay, these are the right franchises for person A. But the same franchises for person A will not be the same franchise as you take to person B. I can walk into a client. I can walk into two neighbors who built in the same exact neighborhood, have the exact same kitchen. Color, cabinets, countertop, absolutely everything in those kitchens is the same. I'm going to walk out with two totally different designs because it's about that person and how they use their kitchen, the problems they're having, the types of food they cook, the types of, Mm. you know, cooking things, you know, cooking utensils and all that kind of stuff, the different pots and pans that they have versus the, the stuff that the other person has and how, what kind of meals they cook and how they use their kitchen. Yep. They both use them differently. They both have different pain points. So I'm going to have different solutions based on that. Yep. Such a good example. Um, it, it really is. So look, I appreciate you, you know, saying all of that. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely the goal for, for what I do and what other great consultants like Tana, who you worked with do. Um, but look, man, you've been very generous with your time. I know you're, you know, you, you pulled over on a beautiful day and, and, uh, took some time to talk to me. So I appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, uh, any parting words of advice for, you know, someone out there that's in a similar spot to where you were 10 years ago, trying to figure out, you know, what's their next move. Uh, any advice for someone that's, that's kind of in that same spot today? You know, there's a saying out there that says the grass isn't always greener, but what I'm going to tell you is my transition from corporate to owning my own franchise, the grass has been way greener. Um, it was, it was definitely the right move for me. I don't think I could have lasted many more years there. Um, wish I wish the way things ended with Honda would have been a little bit different, but it was honestly at that point in time in my life, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. I'm so much happier where I'm at today than I would be if I was still working there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it should also be noted that even though the grass is greener, you had to work very, very hard to make sure that it was. You know, nothing fell oh, into your lap. 
a lot of lot of rough times that go with it, right? That's that's part of it, man. As as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, it's a roller coaster. Uh, so you do have to be willing to put in the work, and and you know, as long as it's a good franchise where the 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 model works and the the systems are in place, like you can make it what you want to make it. You've got to put in the work. It's just like anything else in life. You'll get out of it what you're willing to put into it, but. Um, no, I, I think that's, that's all good advice. Um, real quick, I have what I call a lightning round. This is the same four questions that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. We'll run through these okay. real quick and then I'll let you get back to cruising around in your Jeep. But, uh, first question of the lightning round is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received that could be in business or in life? Oh, I know we get deep I mean, here it was sometimes. Really, it was it was really my friend who pointed me in the direction of a franchise consultant. You know, she she saw something in me and she supported me. She backed me. She's like, you would be a fantastic business owner. And that piece of advice and getting me in contact with Tana is I was invaluable. And what did she say? You got nothing to lose. Why not? Yeah. You got nothing. Like, to lose. It doesn't cost you a penny. Yeah. You got nothing to lose by doing this. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, those kind of life altering decisions that you maybe probably didn't realize it was going to be at the time, but no, that's cool. Um, all right. Next question. Do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? So Monday through Saturday, I get up about seven o'clock every morning, which I know that might sound late to most people, but I get up, um, <laughs> I clear out my emails, which unfortunately 90% of them are spam, but you know, I see what I got, how my day's kind of set up as far as what do I need to deal with any emails that came through during the night. Mm-hmm. Um, look at my schedule make sure what's going on there. I go get myself a cup of coffee. I go to the gym. I work out for an hour, come home, shower, and I go about my day. Um, you know, you really need to do take care of yourself physically because taking care of yourself physically will help you take care of yourself mentally. Absolutely. One of the biggest things that, that I learned, uh, you know, not, not even all that long ago, like I got serious about taking care of myself physically and mentally, and then everything else started falling into place. And that's why I like to ask this question because, you know, I just curious what other people do first thing to, to kind of at least try to set themselves up for, for an awesome day. So Very cool. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, What book are you reading right now? If you're, if you're a reader. Um, I can't remember the name of it. We're reading it because the power team I'm on for um, shelf genie, we're having um, what's her name? The who's the gal that's at every conference. Lisa McLeod purpose, Lisa McLeod, McLeod. her new, I'm reading her new noble purpose book. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. She's been on the podcast. Um, she's great. Yeah. I, is it a, is it just like a revamp of noble purpose or is it like a sequel to the book? It's kind of like a sequel, Oh, you know, just kind of an update and a little bit of a revamp sequel. Gotcha. Okay. I'll have to check it out. I didn't know that she had come out with another, another Um, version or another book. She had taught last time she was at conference. She talked about, she had a new book and we all, we all got it. I believe. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a couple years ago. Yeah. I think I have it here on my shelf actually. Um, yeah, well that's good stuff and, and very much in line with some of the things that we talked about today. So 
Very cool. Final question. And then I will let you go. My man is what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? My definition of freedom is, you know, just being able to pay your bills, being financially secure enough to be able to do what you want with your life and in life. And right now I'm living it. Yes, you are. It's a beautiful thing. Mike, man, really appreciate you taking time to be here and do this. I know everyone that listens is going to get a ton of value. There was a lot of good advice, uh, you know, throughout this conversation coming from you. Uh, so really appreciate it. And also want to take a minute to, to thank you from Kelly and I. You've been a huge help to us, you know, as we have kind of gone through our journey with Shelf Genie and become a really good friend. So appreciate everything you've done for us and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. It was great being here, Wes. Uh, Wish you tons of success. Thank you. And anyone listening in the Columbus area, give Mike a call. He will hook your kitchen, your closet, any of those areas up. He will take it from pain and frustration to sheer joy and love. It'll be awesome. You won't regret it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.